Welcome back to Probably About Politics. This episode, 2020, a year in review, a year that we all want to remember deeply and would not <laughs> like to forget. Yeah, uh, we made it, or we did a whole year of it. Congrats. And we're waiting until the third to last day of the year <laughs> to record, <laughs> just, just in case just in case any big things happen yeah. on December 30th, if we miss That feels them. crucial, yeah. In this year, I don't think you can you can like record like your year end. We're done. Everything happened until you're very close to the end, because really everything happened in this year. <laughs> um, there was a point where we thought the Australian wildfires was going to be a big thing. Right. Um, I do like. Yeah. There, it's weird, like putting together like, oh, what was like the top story of the year? And now you saying that just reminded me that Donald Trump was impeached this year, <laughs> and that's yeah, somehow exactly. not like the top political story. <laughs> No, <laughs> like not even close. Yeah. So sometimes I forget that uh, Donald Trump and many of his government got COVID. Yeah. Oh, you got a dog toy squeaking in the back. Oh, that's a good story for this year that happened is Kaylee got a dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a dog and it could be. It, oh, hey, there she is. It could be destructive to our podcasting life uh, because she loves squeaking toys. But uh, we'll share a p- picture in the newsletter. I was listening to a podcast today, and there was one of the hosts had like this very young baby girl, and she mm-hmm. was just like kept distracting the other hosts because she looked like she was about to like roll off the bed in the background, <laughs> and then she was just like gonna hurt herself. But every once in a while, you like hear her make some noises. It's not so bad. Yeah, I think that's like you know, world of Zoom, right? We've uh, sort of decided that. People's cats walking across <laughs> your screen uh, are fine. Um, they come to meetings. Right. And I mean, like, this is, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like normally we have our own office that we record this in, right? We can't go to the studio. So you have to record it no. from home. Well, let me describe the current situation. Yeah. Let me briefly describe the current situation to you. She has got, uh, she has four squeaky toys. They're floor plushy toys. She has all four of them. Um, yeah. she's brought them all here right um and she's individually squeaking each of them uh so <laughs> it's like she knows what we're doing i mean you say this like as if you're not the person who buys her the squeaky toys <laughs> yeah, but i don't stick them in a pot they're dispersed usually. right and being her owner you have no power over where the toys are <laughs> when she has access to them yeah, that's true uh well i think you're overestimating the power in my relationship yeah <laughs> right okay well listen we have some news to follow up on um some mm-hmm. some some shows some podcasts like to follow up on what they recently talked about every episode uh that is not us mm, we no, follow up once us. a year <laughs> when we look back through the catalog of episodes that we created which is 17 this year which is way more than i thought we did i was like maybe one a month but no we did yeah it, uh, you know like 2020 i can barely remember where we started mm. um but uh but turns out 17 episodes and i picked out two two election outcomes to go over i know that you picked out two and also we both picked the same one for peru um so i mean yes peru seems like a good place to start then if we both picked it yeah <laughs> yeah i think that is i mean peru when we covered it i think was very interesting because it remains true that 
for like the last three decades, every Peruvian president has been persecuted, arrested, or accused of corruption, and they're continuing the trend. Right. So, so this happened. Um, the Peruvian election was not so long ago. They're, and they're going to have another election this year. Right. They're having another election on April 11th, 2021, mm-hmm. because the last election they did, they were like, okay, we got to refill all these seats, but we're not doing a new term. We're going to yep. go in an extraordinary period. The next year is filled by these people, but hey, we're going to redo the, another election anyway. So this election was back in January, right? Yes. Yeah. We covered it in January. Yeah. And the next election now is um, in April 11th, 2021. Uh, and since then, Peru has had three presidents. <laughs> three. But like that, to be fair to them, those three presidents were only in like two weeks, uh, like just a month ago. Yes. So, you know. Yes. So at the time of the election, um, Martin Viscaro was the president. Um, he was then removed in what many have described as a coup um, to snatch power. Uh, away from uh, the current president or the that the president at the time uh, and um, based on the um, plan of succession Manuel Marino was installed who many have said is a far-right president uh, and he kind of like led this coup against uh, President Vizcarra uh, and then after just five days um, he stepped down um, as he was protest there were nationwide protests against him um, leading to the deaths of two protesters, leading to um, the resignation of President Morano, and the new president, Francisco Sagasti, being installed, who has lasted all the way uh, for about a month and a half now, since no- <laughs> November 20th. <laughs> yeah, seemingly has brought some stability, but I don't know how much you can count on it at this point. Um, yeah, no, it was a, it was a quick, it has a lot happening to, to be clear though. Uh, I, most people, if you look at the like sort of legislation and in Peru and stuff, it wasn't technically a coup, but the people felt it was a coup and they may be justified in feeling that way. Uh, but just for like, technically it was a legal proceeding. Um, was it the best idea? Probably no. Yeah. What was he removed for again? moral incapacity was what they took was what they got him for yeah yeah don't you hate to get got for that um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it's 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 gonna be interesting i think the other like the implications of it are really tricky like for peru like to have your government in constant turmoil like literally the last three decades this is kind of what this the same story it means yeah. that not a lot's getting done there. So it is definitely an election to watch, especially with COVID. I think I read somewhere that the fact that uh, he, Moreno, uh, all his um, uh, ministers also resigned yeah. really disrupted uh, the COVID-19 response. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, it has a real consequence for the health and safety of the country. Yeah. And also to watch, I mean, there's all this instability, but at the same time, um, it's not like the congress was stable in its re-election back in january um because the actual outcomes of that was that there are nine parties in congress right now um that got over the five percent threshold for their uh, proportional representation but only one of those parties actually got over 10 (laughs) percent so there were there are nine parties between or eight parties between five and ten percent um popular support in the country there were another uh four parties that had over three percent and the highest was eleven percent so 
there's a huge number of political parties that are all in the running for um, this April election and where it's going to go is totally up in the air. And everything that's happened for the last year has been pretty tumultuous uh, for Peru. Um, so looking at where that's going to go forward is definitely going to be interesting. Yeah. And it's, I think, one of the countries that, I mean, okay, we covered the United States, but since the election happened, maybe the most has been going on in Peru. <laughs> Yeah, I think Peru is definitely the most, uh, I mean, the, the most, there were, like, the, I would agree with you, the U.S. is uh, the trickier of the, we thought you didn't know it was going to come out, and it seemed like it could be messy, and we've definitely covered a few that seem messy, um, but if you look at back on all the elections we've covered this year, this is the one that's really, um, really unresolved, and it seems like there's a lot more to come. I think, like, like the protests, yeah, again, people died in the protests. It's primarily the youth population that are involved in it. So that sort of signals that there is a real move for, for some change, concrete change. Um, so that's, I think, important to note. And that means that it'll be a country we should probably keep watching. Um, but also it's hard to know if it can change because a country that could have such quick turnover of leadership, it and and the legislation or like the the constitutional constitution that allows for such quick tr- change of uh, government um, really allows for a lot of instability and uncertainty um, that kind of makes it hard to build on um, and and sort of allows this process to keep happening. I think uh, is is the concern that a lot of people sort of see in Peru um, that without real reform they might not be able to actually address the problem with just an election i guess like the next election it's hard to say that they'll actually do anything yeah so what other country did you have for countries to follow up on so the uh yeah so i guess singapore uh we sort of talked about it in the context of it being i think one of the early elections to decide to carry on within the pandemic uh, under really strict uh, sort of uh covid 19 measures um and i think as you'll remember sort of we talked a lot about how does it give an advantage to the ruling party to to be able to um call the election during the pandemic and and have a platform to campaign on um whereas sort of opposition parties or parties running um because singapore at the time did not have an official opposition uh it, it put them in a disadvantaged position, but uh, and and we sort of talked about how it seemed like the the ruling party in Singapore uh, was you know facing a bit of stagnation. It, the People's Action Party have are one of the longest ruling parties in the world. Uh, effectively, there is no change in in leadership, um, and until this election, they had. Uh, which is a sort of a, a change. They officially recognized uh, the Workers' Party to be the official opposition, um, giving a, an official alternative government option. Um, and that was because they lost a, signif- the, a significant portion of the vote. They only got 61%. Uh, to be fair to them, this translated to 90% of the seats, uh, but uh, as, as a result of first-past-the-vote post-voting. Um, but we've, we've talked about that before. Um but this was a sort of a, a marker that things are, people are not not necessarily trusting them as much with their, their role in leadership um, and, and is really requiring a significant rethink, I think, in the People's Action Party. I would say that I don't think that this will result in a, an eventual change in leadership, but perhaps just change within the, the ruling party's uh, style. Like they might try and 
alternate alternate things a bit yeah, yeah. change from within and not change from without important to note though that yeah. the people's action party actually have the same acronym as probably about politics yes i think that was one of the key takeaways from the singapore election was <laughs> the pap acronym uh was was in doubt about who really has has the gra- has the grasp on that acronym uh for potential uh trademarking futures yeah and for legal proceedings uh i think we will give way but uh <laughs> but i hope all our listeners will try and make our our version of pap the most popular version of pap i can't think of even a third use of the word pap that could possibly be more popular (laughs) more popular um anyway uh so my other question that i want to follow up on was uh new zealand because we always talk about new zealand it's an important thing to talk about for us and jacinda ardern hey i'm not going to go over the achievements of the government um, th- since I mean the re-election was quite recent actually too uh, but if you want to know things that the government in New Zealand has done Jacinda Ardern just put out this three minute video have you seen this Kaylee of her just like mm-hmm. listing everything oh. that she's done in the last two years I think this is like a trend among political leaders because I think uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did it as well yeah trend among like the hip political elite of the world yeah yeah <laughs> yes yeah exactly anyway but and this this was before the new zealand uh re-election of jacinda ardern but the COVID response of new zealand has been seen largely as a success internationally new zealand and australia have done from what i understand very well there's a lot of praise yeah heaped upon to be fair they do have a bit of an advantage in that they are very remote but yes they did also did very well but uh yeah so new zealand is a that's I. We will probably revisit New Zealand uh, later in this episode. Uh, we will. How, in what way? <laughs> uh, well, I will be revisiting it in my good news story. Right. In your is that your biggest story of the year? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, let's just talk about that right right now. Then <laughs> we're already here. <laughs> okay. Well. So okay. Speaking of New Zealand, um, and and it's not into my my biggest news story of the year is not entirely about New Zealand, but it they play a significant role in that. Um, uh, as part of sort of uh, Jacinda Ardern sort of pushing forward and, and doing revolutionary things um, in terms of governance and, and uh, her her cabinet, uh, uh, which is debatable whether or not she actually is doing that, but um, she picked for the first time a, a woman to be her uh, foreign minister, Minister of Foreign Affairs, um, but also uh, the uh, the second Maori person to be uh, the uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs, Nanaya Mahuta is uh, the first uh, is has previously been uh, the Minister of Maori Affairs and Youth Development as well as in in Trade and Customs, and she's now been sort of a surprise pick. Nobody really saw this coming. Um, uh, didn't, she wasn't really picked, but she is a really experienced uh, politician who's been in the in 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 office for a long time. Uh, and it sort of also represents uh, is also sort of represents a commitment to uh, the Maori peoples um, and the and uh, which also the Maori party won uh, two seats back in in their in the in the previous election as part of. The good news of that. One second, I'm gonna pause and make her stop barking. 
yeah so she uh, represent uh yeah she's she's gonna sort of represent new zealand internationally this is a big role um it, it says i think both a lot to uh have a woman be um in the role of minister of, of foreign affairs that is a role that not a lot of countries have not never had a woman uh be in before um, and then it is says something else to have it be a Maori woman. Um, I think also having indigenous leadership um, take a part in the inter, in the inter, international affairs and diplomacy uh, is is uh, something that has been underrepresented, as less explored by uh, sort of countries like Canada and New Zealand and Australia. Um, and and in so. I, and I, she, the minister herself has been sort of quoted, she sort of says, many Maori uh, and potentially other indigenous peoples have serious questions about globalization that they want to participate in, um, and specifically setting the, that the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal and, and how do they fit into it and, and how they can sometimes get left behind uh, in, in those conversations. So uh, being uh, an indigenous woman uh, representing New Zealand uh, will give a lot of space to sort of uh, consider that aspect of international affairs more prominently and, and, and represent her, uh, represent Maori people and, and uh, in that role. And then sort of like continuing that, like I think another, again, another conversation about indigenous governance and, and how, how should, uh, in, uh, how can indigenous people be better represented in, uh, uh, colonized countries like Canada, the U S Australia, New Zealand, uh, Joe Biden made good, uh, seemingly in, in a move that is seemingly making good on a lot of his promises about climate change um, and, and moving towards a more green, green econ economy, uh, has asked uh, Representative Deb Holland to be uh, the, the, the head of the, the cabinet minister for the Department of the Interior, uh, which is a is pretty, uh, pretty exciting move because uh, that's a pretty strong statement. She's pretty vocal. Uh, act uh, vocal on and, and active in the area of, of climate change and representing uh, tribal relations with the government. Um, and she's uh, she's from New Mexico and sort of said, growing up in, in my mother's pueblo uh, household made me a fear made me fierce and I'll be fierce for all of us, our planet and our protected lands. Um, to to sort of give a sense for those who don't know of what the Interior Department does. Uh, they they're responsible for the country's uh five hundred seventy four federally recognized Indian tribes and Alaskan Alaskan native villages uh, uh as well as one fifth of all the land in the U S so that's a uh, hundred one point seven billion acres of the country's coast coasts uh and they also manage national parks wildlife wildlife refugees and public lands and are responsible for protecting biologically and culturally important sites while also um, uh, looking into natural resource development. So having an, an indigenous woman in that sort of role that has historically been in charge of, of relations, particularly with indigenous peoples in, in the United States is, is sort of like a, a, a big deal. Uh, and that's a, it's a huge department. Um, and your, her perspective on, on climate change and environmental issues and indigenous relations will have a really big impact in that role. Um, and sort of is a bit of a laying down what Biden plans to do, I think, and make to make good on, on his and promises, I guess. So that's uh, my good news. I hope that maybe it can maybe we'll follow it up, I guess, in the new year with and we can talk about um, indigenous governance um, 
and and the role of indigenous people in in Western governance and and all those sorts of topics. I think that's an interesting space to head into that we haven't talked that much about. We have not talked about that much. Canada so far has only had one woman as the Minister of Foreign Affairs. Kaylee, do you know who that mm. is? I'm going to guess it's Christia Freeland. <laughs> You'd be right. It is. It was Christia Freeland. I guess it is. It was the only woman. Oh, right. Yes, post. she was. Yes. Now uh, she's. She's now Deputy Prime Minister. Do you know who our current mm-hmm. uh, Minister for Foreign Affairs is? I would not have known this. Uh, I forget now. I did at one point know, but I don't remember right now. Francois-Philippe Champagne. Yes, Champagne. Yes, I do know that. But yeah. Hmm. It was such a... Uh, she, and she was pretty good at it. Yeah, it seemed like such a post that you heard so much about when uh, Freeland was in that. Mm-hmm. haven't heard much about Champagne in it, but to be fair, since he has been the foreign minister, uh, there's not been a lot of foreign affairs happening <laughs> going on in the world. Yeah, there's been a lot the... of uh, looking inward in the last year. So I'm sure going forward, yeah, he'll do a great I think job. That, yeah, the, it's gotten less high profile. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. There's been fewer uh, trade negotiations, and after after the NAFTA renegotiation, uh, most most uh, foreign minister uh, job items will be slightly lower profile. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully that seemed like it was a real pain to try and handle. But uh, moving on for me, I guess, what is what is your vision? Uh, what is the good thing that came out of this year for you, or the big story of the year? Maybe not the good thing. Yeah, the, I, I don't know what to call the section. Big thing, good thing. I mean, it's a thing. I think it's led to a lot of good things. It was uh, a bad thing, um, but it definitely got a lot of people mm-hmm. talking, was the George Floyd protests um, in the U.S. And there were some, I mean, all the way across the world, they've led to all these uh, anti-racism messages that have kind of become... Um, like commonplace which just like Mm -hmm. saying that now i'm just thinking of all like the sports things that came out of it that are still happening like in like in uh formula one uh all of like the end racism say no to racism stuff and like before every race they would have like a a a small protest thing and like still in front like before every like premier league soccer game there's like the moment of silence for racism and stuff so like a lot of I mean, that's all like symbolic stuff of like a bunch of rich guys saying that we shouldn't be racist anymore. (laughs) Um, But there were um, a number of actual reforms that seem to be coming out of these protests. Um, And I mean, maybe we can put this in the in the show notes uh, and in the newsletter. If you follow the newsletter, if you don't send us an email at probablywithpolitics at gmail.com and you can get on the mailing list or go to the website. and sign up for the mailing list there but there's like um new a lot of news articles and also we'll link like this wikipedia page which is just changes made due to the george floyd protests and i mean a lot of it so far is a lot of um symbolic stuff so like removing flags like removing confederate flags from things removing stuff from like mississippi state building uh and stuff like that removing confederate flags from like nascar events and marine corps um events uh stuff like that there's a bunch of um actors and actresses that were changed in upcoming um, productions 
um, so that there was not like white people playing roles that were meant to be for people of color, stuff like that. Mascots changing. So like so far, it seems like there's there's a lot of like symbolic stuff, which I mean, you matters, right? You can't say it doesn't matter, or else we wouldn't care that these symbols were there in the first place. So <laughs> obviously, changing this this stuff does does matter and is important um and going forward though there's a lot of stuff of like actual um police reform it seems like in the u.s happening um specifically in minneapolis or in minneapolis uh and other cities in the nypd um reduction in police budgets and reallocation of those funds and stuff so i think like other than covid19 for me probably the biggest news story of the year was um, George Floyd protests and all of the things that came out of that. Um, I mean, I think, uh, it's probably one of the things that have like the big things in the world that has had like more of like a direct effect on like my daily life is like, oh, now we have like, uh, racial awareness, like monthly seminars that happen <laughs> at work because everybody <laughs> is like doing this stuff now. Yeah. And I think it's like also, and if you span the lens globally, like there were protests that are directly or indirectly like happening in other countries around race issues uh, globally that you sort of heard it that came from. So it seems very American centric, but it did it did catch um, internationally and in different ways. Um, And I think it would be interesting to see if anybody sort of does some research on 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 how on the relationship between the pandemic and social movements um and if if there is one like a, if 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 the conditions of pandemic also um sort of supported uh these movements or not i'd be interested to know more about that yeah because as much as like having the meetings on zoom is worse in a lot of ways sometimes it's easier to talk about difficult things <laughs> when you don't have to look at somebody yeah. right in the face across the room from you uh things are a little calmer normally um but yeah there is a there is a yeah. lot of stuff about like it is kind of an american-centric thing but there there were there's a lot of talking about this stuff it's like okay even if racism as you see it in the united states isn't as um isn't as prominent in other places other places are looking at like oh like in canada not that there isn't racism here but there's been a lot more like focus on like indigenous issues and indigenous rights um and having conversations with people um talking about like other inequality as well that people have brought up um being like poverty like inequality due to poverty and stuff i mean because of the pandemic there's been a whole lot of all of this inequality has been amplified and everybody's just been talking about it so I mean, they go hand in hand, but uh, two separate stories, but they were based. I mean, obviously the pandemic is the story of the year, but George Floyd protests, I think, <laughs> are the story that we chose to have be story of the year since like, since COVID, we didn't really <laughs> have a hand in. Yeah, yeah, I didn't go saying that. Yeah, and I think it's sort of, I don't think, we're, I'm not going to get too into Gutierrez this time because we sort of pre-show talked about this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> His, his thing is mostly COVID. Um, but yeah. I think something that he sort of, he highlights in, in talking about COVID and is that it, it makes all the worst things work, like all the inequities that exist globally become so much more stark and uh, apparent. Um, and, and being able to see them like that and to see how unfair it is um, makes it a lot easier to mobilize 
I think, uh, I think people against, uh, towards an issue or on an issue, um, and, and, uh, really sort of, yeah, get, get people behind the movement, um, because you can't ignore it anymore. Um, and, uh, and, and it's so, it's very, very stark, uh, which is interesting, but also it also, I think offers a real opportunity to, uh, to hit a reset button. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, uh, as the vaccine gets rolled out, um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Hey, those, these are some good segues, Kayla, because speaking of the vaccine, this was the last thing that <laughs> I wanted to talk about was top science news, <laughs> um, not space news, yeah. uh, but top science news, uh, is the production for the first time of a production for a newly discovered disease which is um, COVID-19 the production of a vaccine within one year Um, well within one year in fact Uh, I think the first cases of COVID were back in last December and this vaccine started to roll out uh, in November right so inside of a year totally crazy Mm -hmm. technology we don't have to get into it but like from going from like when the coronavirus um, genetic material was sequenced to going to having a vaccine to go into animal trials with was like three weeks. Just a staggering achievement of of um, many, many, many years of basic science research that led to this. Uh, really an incredible accomplishment. Yeah, it seems like that was... Uh something that it seems like it was a daunting task <laughs> undertaken and i have no idea how one goes about it um and it seems like you know the focus was producing as many different vaccines at the same time in the hopes of getting there faster but I, it does seem like a year is a is a remarkable timeline yeah and there's a lot of stuff around vaccine production that i didn't like that we, we didn't really follow up on throughout the year and I'm interested to look into this now. Unfortunately, we don't have the answers for the podcast. But I remember like Bill Gates funding like six different vaccines or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> did, did his money help at all with any of that? Uh, let, me, let me find it right now and we'll, and we'll put it in. All right. Unfortunately, cannot find whether or not they are the vaccines that Bill Gates did in fact put money into, which... I'm going to guess means they are not the ones because I'm sure that would be news if they were the ones. <laughs> yeah, I think that he would he would want to <laughs> to get that out there. I think it, it is interesting the sort of I think to build on this like the conversation. I think the next big hurdle, the next big like global like our endeavor, hopefully achievement will be rollout mm-hmm. um, because it that's going to be that's really huge. And I think um, so many countries like. The, the which what's the the vaccine that starts with a p pfizer the pfizer vaccine needs to be so cold that, 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 that you need to find an alternative for countries that absolutely do not have the capacity to store it to store that vaccine um at, mm. at that at the temperatures it needs to be had at um so the infrastructure and and ensuring equal access and, and rollout to effectively uh neutralize the impact of covid um because I think we've talked about this before, but if it exists in countries that can't, uh, if, if we let countries uh, who can't afford to have the vaccine um, not get the vaccine, then countries like Canada, the US, that can afford to do it um, are going to be impacted. Uh, so it, it is both like the hu- the right thing to do and also 
um, just strategically what needs to happen. Um, and you're starting to see that. I think um, we were talking about it a couple weeks ago, but New Zealand, uh, like uh, not on air in one of our non-recorded conversations. Um <laughs> But New, Ze- New Zealand has bought enough vaccine. They've said everybody in the country is going to get the vaccine, hmm. um, as well as uh, all their neighboring Pacific countries. Uh, um, so, uh, so that means that New Zealand will assist with both acquiring the cost of the vaccine, with the cost of the vaccine, but also getting it there. Um, for many hmm. of these countries, the setting up the infrastructure is going to be a challenge. So, a lot of development dollars are going to have to go be given up. Um, uh, to to sort of supporting uh, building these networks um, and and infrastructure that's needed, and I think we'll pr- hopefully we'll do it as fast as we did uh, the, we made the vaccine. Yeah, it looks it looks promising. Um, yeah, speaking of like, I mean, we're not trying to be like bummers on this episode, but inequality around the vaccine. Canada has bought, I think the last number that I saw was nine vaccine doses for every human in the country, um, which is kind of wild. Mm-hmm. It was, we, we, we have overbought the vaccine by the greatest margin of any country in the world um, by more than double the second country. Only I think um, the US had like, or the UK had something like four times for each person um, and Canada had over nine um, doses per person vague numbers that i'm trying to remember but it was more than double the second place country and and i think i i don't uh, again should have read on up on this more but i believe that we canada has also committed to uh providing the vaccine to uh other countries once we have vaccinated uh once the our country itself has been uh successfully vaccinated yes so yeah our pre-ordered numbers for canada are um eight eight times uh eight doses per person um expanding with possible expansions up to nine and the united kingdom is about five Mm -hmm. pre-ordered um per person and australia is about five and a half the european union as a whole is about three expanding up to about four and a quarter um but yeah canada is leading the way (laughs) and inequality of um, vaccine <laughs> distribution uh, but yeah any any extra yeah, doses uh, has have been said that they would be um distributed to other countries yeah so i think that'll be definitely something that we'll have but, to keep an eye on going forward uh it'll definitely yes have an impact on elections in other countries and the final thing to talk about kayla you're nailing the segues today the final thing to talk about is other things to keep an eye on, including big elections to watch for in the upcoming calendar year, 2021. Yes, and there are a few of them. And it'll be interesting because this time, at least, we have we have the knowledge that COVID exists. Because last time, I think we sort of, we, we usually project what elections we might talk about. Um, and then COVID happened and any projections we made were thrown out the window because some elections got delayed and some elections just didn't happen and etc um but this year we know it's happening um and we know that anything can happen so i will put a caveat that maybe these elections will happen um (laughs) and maybe we will cover them uh who knows what will happen though uh but ethiopia is having an election that should be a pretty big uh a pretty big one um there's a lot going on there and i think we will probably cover that election um ecuador is also having an election and if we so i guess we've covered both of them we've never covered them so there'd be new elections 
to the probably about politics uh, uh, inventory. We were supposed to cover Ethiopia in August, but it didn't happen. So, but it got delayed. Yes. So, uh, we, we're going to revisit. Um, and there's a lot happening in that one. So stay tuned. Um, uh, some old favorites: uh, Iran, Hong Kong, Germany. We've covered all of them. They're all having elections. They should all be pretty big. Um, and uh, another delayed election in Israel that is also scheduled to happen in March. Um, and that should be a big one as well with Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, uh, impeachment and uh, the corruption issues and to see what happens there. Um, so there's some big elections coming. I promise, do not promise that any of them will happen, uh, <laughs> but we'll cover what does. But leading up to the <laughs> German election and anybody who wants to get in on this with their friends, go ahead, maybe take bets um, on whether or not it would have been faster for the world to develop a vaccine for COVID-19 or for Germany to actually have a govern- government after an election. <laughs> because last time, I think it was, what, nine months between election day oh, it was very and long. coalition formation. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's one to look out for because there's normally like weekly news that comes out after the election until the government's actually formed months and months and months later. Yes. Uh, yeah, and uh, there's like, uh, and in Ethiopia, there's some challenges of ethnic violence. So, you know, that'll be a, uh, the, and the, 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 the guy who's up for election won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2019. So I think that'll be a good one. Um, there'll be lots to say about that. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Looks like a good year coming up. Unfortunately, Kayla, we can't be recording this together right now for the last few years. We've been able to get together for this yes, final episode recording. Beer. But instead, it's you uh, with your dog and me with my glass of water. Yes. Uh, well, I'm <laughs> holding a stein glass that has water in it, but not beer. I do have a beer um, glass so with water in virtual it. Virtual cheers. <laughs> cheers. I couldn't, I couldn't be bothered to head out uh, to the LCBO in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> well, hopefully next year uh, we will have had nine doses of COVID-19 vaccine um, right. and we can be in the same room. <laughs> Fair enough. Listen, yeah, and hopefully we'll be able to get every single one of our fans together in a room as well. We'll be able to, because the, <laughs> the uh, limitations on indoor gatherings will be expanded definitely high enough for us to bring all of you into one room. Uh, and until then, thank you so much for listening <laughs> to Probably About Politics and sharing uh, with friends and family and uh, messaging us on instagram or twitter or sending us emails at probablybopolitics at gmail.com or tweeting at us uh, at probpolitics on twitter uh and in uh very true nature we do love you all very much yes we hope you're healthy and happy and safe happy new year happy new year